0: This episode is brought to you by The Rider Store. Support your club by grabbing your official writer gear from The Rider Store. The Mosaic Stadium store is now open. You can also shop online at thewritersstore.ca. Welcome to The Rouge Report. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Rough Rider podcast. All right, Isaac, let's. Uh, I just want to dive because things have started to open back up in both our states and across the border. And just wanted to get your word. Have you found your life being more normalized now? Are you going out to eat with uh, your family and Emily, or are you finding yourself still doing the same things, ordering out and eating in?
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's it's kind of concerning when I guess a switch from quarantine to not it hasn't really changed your life. But I feel like we've been doing mostly the same things, like still taking doing takeout and being careful with the masks and everything. But yeah, it's it's to see people back out and about. People just look so much happier, honestly.
0: Yeah, I know that there's a lot of built up like frustration and stuff. I think the one thing I'm still a little frustrated about is churches not opening up, and um, because I see if the local food chains opened up and you can have people sitting in there. Why can't I go to church? You know, so that that's one thing I've been a little frustrated about. Um, And the other things, it seems like normal living, you know, being able to walk into a grocery store and not have to have a mask on or gloves on, um, as much as I still do that because I protect others. Um, it's good to know that it's not like I have to do this, or if I have to make a quick stop and get say, you know, a gallon of milk or something, I don't have to have my mask on me and I can just run in real quick. And that made things a little bit more convenient for me. Um, but Laura and I are big movies goers. We love going to the movies and, uh, it'll be interesting when movies open back up, how that's going to happen. I know that they talked about some bowling alleys, But where we're at in Nevada, they opened up casinos and uh, I obviously don't step foot in the casinos. So I, I can't tell you how it would be, but I don't know how a casino can function with social distancing.
1: Right. And like when you're talking about movies and stuff like that, I've been walking around the house and I'll catch my sister watching like a Netflix show or something. And it'll be like like a Love Island type thing and like just people in really close proximity and like showing affection and stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa. You guys need to be six feet apart. Like, Let, you guys let's be honest, honest here. What's you, going on?
0: You say your sister, but really, we know you're watching <laughs> Love Island by yourself <laughs> in your room. <laughs> no, I plead the fifth on that one. Yeah, for sure. I've heard a lot of things. I haven't fallen down that tra- uh, trap of the hype yet, but I will say one of the number one shows during social distancing that's been online that uh, my wife and
1: I watched was Tiger King. Have you watched Tiger King? <laughs> I haven't, but I'm. I feel like. Having three siblings who are like of social media age, I feel like I know everything I need to know about it without even having watched it yet.
0: Yeah, you already got the sneak peek <laughs> preview, and you you heard all the good parts. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah that- Kill her <laughs> husband, whacked him. We all know that. Yeah, you think so, huh? I, I think so. It was just very o- awkward when someone says. Uh yeah, sardine oil. If you want the cats to eat something, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you did it. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's a uh, that's a little sus. I want to talk about karaoke songs. I am not a karaoke guy. Straight off the bat, I just I'm not. But I will karaoke if I have to. What is your go to karaoke
1: song? Hold on. I want to, I want to tell the fans how we got here and what you said before this. Cause I said, when we were going through the pandemic, what's the worst activity and do dude It's just cause I want to get to your like punchline that you made, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, let's think of like the worst idea during a bad pandemic that you can think of. I'm like karaoke. And then Cody comes back at me with this.
0: Okay. So he said karaoke <laughs> and I'm thinking worst pandemic would probably be a carnival kissing booth. Just having a bunch of strangers kiss you. I I would assume that that's definitely
1: what uh, might be worse during a pandemic. I'm like, very funny answer. Don't know if we're going to be able to banter much about a carnival kissing booth, but I love it. I
0: I don't think I've ever seen one. Only I watched Revenge of the Nerds when I was a young kid, and they had a kissing booth. So that's the only time I can ever remember seeing a kissing booth. I've never witnessed one in real life.
1: (laughs) That's that's sad, man. I'm sorry to hear that. You've witnessed one? Oh uh, no! I mean, oh, okay. You're, you're just, you're just, you're like. It kind of reminds me, like, watching cartoons. I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger issue in my life than it is. Like, you just never see it, but you see it all over TV and media. So it's True. like, yeah, I've never seen a kissing booth either. Okay,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good. okay. So karaoke <laughs> wise, what? How many? How many times do you think you've
1: karaokeed in your life? Sure, probably good, a good handful. Six, Good handful seven of times something like that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think I'm around
0: three, four at okay. most i mean i'll go wow. and watch karaoke i usually don't get up on stage but oh you mean partaking yeah i'm in the lower numbers for partaking oh, okay
1: but okay yeah a lot of people embarrass themselves for oh, sure. we have
0: a casino here um it's <laughs> called the cal neva and it's like one of those casinos that everything's cheap like you can play 50 cent roulette so it's fun you bring in like 20 bucks 40 bucks and you can play there all night but the roulette table nice. is right next to karaoke and so you have live entertainment of these people just coming up and singing and a lot of them are terrible terrible singers but just completely hammered. And so it's fun just to kind of sit there all night, play with 20 bucks and watch these people play karaoke. Um, for me, karaoke songs, I uh, I sung a Disney song my first time ever uh, doing karaoke. I didn't know the song, but they forced me up there and I just kind of like powered through it because it had the lyrics on. <laughs> but me, I would say Pony by Genuine. It's a really seductive <laughs> song. And actually Mm -hmm. it was our song, which I do have the video and it might be good bonus content for the fans to see if I want that out there. Um, Our garter toss at our wedding um, was to Pony and I did a very seductive dance. It was not choreographed. It was just kind of whatever I think felt sexy at the time I was going to do. And my wife was sitting there in the chair and uh, we had her like 90 year old aunt sitting front row to this seductive dance. And I just remember how embarrassed my wife was about this, but I told myself, I was like, whenever I get my opportunity to do a garter toss, I am going to go all out because that is what the world needs. And that's just me letting go and feeling comfortable with my wife. And uh, it was fun. The video's cringeworthy, but I think the fans would really <laughs> definitely
1: enjoy it. Yeah, you might want to put that one behind a paywall so so many people don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, karaoke-wise? If I'm if I'm going karaoke, I want to bring the house down with like a 90s song that not Everyone knows, but the people who do know it, they're like forced to join in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like awkward if you know it and you're not seeing it. That's what you want, yeah. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want people like who don't like 90s music to feel bad about themselves and then everyone else who (laughs) knows the 90s music to be having a good time.
0: But here's what I'll say. Most karaoke places I've been, the 90s songs, they're smash hits. Like that's what everybody's singing. It's rare that you get somebody up there that sings anything, you know, older or even the newer school stuff. A lot of it's those Mm -hmm. 90s hits that are really relatable and easy to kind of sing along. But do you have a, a a song in mind?
1: Oh, yeah. What's up by Four Non Blondes. That's one of my favorite karaoke songs. It's just got that chorus that everyone just screams. So it, it's always a it always brings the house down. I don't know if I've heard it. Can you can you give me a little glimpse? Uh, okay. Well, yeah, sure. It's like, hey, hey, hey. Oh, OK. I said, Hey, yeah, I like that song. On.
0: Okay. I didn't know that that's who sang it or that was the name. I'm terrible at that. My dad, as a young kid, he'd always quiz me and be like, who sings this? And it's always these <laughs> 80s songs. I'm like, dad, I don't know. I'm like in sixth grade and I don't even listen to this music. I don't even
1: like this music. you like it.
0: And he Dude, always your tried reaction to quiz me.
1: just gave me so much satisfaction too. Cause you're like, I don't think I know it. And then I start singing it and you're like, Oh dude, I know that song. It's like, that's exactly what I'm trying to get out of it. Anyways, I'm (laughs) in
0: karaoke. I'm the guy singing along because it'd be too awkward for me not to be singing along. So (laughs) I would be there with you, uh, (laughs) note to note. Uh, I'm not a very good singer, but I don't think either of us. Oh, actually you're, you're a pretty good singer. You play Mm. the guitar and I know that you've played some, uh, you, you got your own
1: little uh what are they riffs that you is that oh, yeah. what you call them yeah loving the, dude just playing tasty licks little little riff action here and there mm-hmm. shredding <laughs> yeah I guess before I want to get into like our top TV
0: shows and top TV characters I wanted to talk we we talked a little bit about this behind you know in the facility just one on one when we had our heart to hearts you know it's five or six o'clock nobody's left in the building just me and you watching film and uh I think it's good for the listeners to hear that coming to the CFL or just playing professional football in general is not very easy to do. And a lot of times people don't come reach out to you. You have to reach out to them. So I I just want to get your take on your CFL experience and how you got seen by the CFL, because it is a great story. And I think the listeners would love that.
1: Yeah. Coming from school of minds, it's a D2 school. So not a lot of D2 players really get A lot of hype or recognition coming out, but we had the the number one offense for for basically any category or any like conference or division just at at Mines because we had a lot of great players. So one of our receivers was kind of getting some attention, and I didn't think that I was going to get attention. So I was kind of like, "What was your thought behind?
0: How come you didn't think you were going to get attention?"
1: It was just like, I'm super undersized and I was D2 and no one had really, like an agent hadn't come calling. I hadn't heard any information about like pro days or anything. Like I just, it it was all silence. So it was kind of strange in that way. But at the same time, like I got this call from my buddy, like he was training, I was done. And when people say like, I let myself go, usually you think of like them gaining weight and things like that. Mm -hmm. mine kind of happened the other way like i I (laughs) thought i was done so i went down to like 173 pounds
0: 173 pounds
1: yeah i was just really (laughs) when's the (laughs) last time you were 173 pounds sheesh that might have been eighth grade maybe seventh grade (laughs) i like (laughs) i like
0: i like asking these just to go off the rails a little bit here because we always got to go off the rails a bit (laughs) of Um, course i like asking people this your god-given weight what do you think it is? Like, this is what God wants you to be. I like asking linemen that because everyone knows linemen don't want to be as heavy as they are and they mm-hmm. try really hard to gain weight. So like, what do you think your God given weight is? Shoot, probably 185. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I would say I'm somewhere around 205, but I definitely try really hard to be above 215, but yeah. Okay. Go and, ahead.
1: And I know we always used to joke. Cause like last year I was pretty much around 190 the whole time, but we always used to joke that you are the lightest quarterback in the league by 15 pounds <laughs> it's not even <laughs> close <laughs> but i'm back up to 202 now so you won't even recognize me i look like the terminator love it <laughs> <laughs> but anyways yeah i was like i was down to just this like emaciated weight of 173 and then i get a call and a guy's like okay so my buddy brody he's an amazing player one of the best players i've ever been around he was trained he's like well we watched your uh film and this, that, and the other, he runs a training facility. He's like, we think you should come train with us and like prepare for the, the draft and, and a pro day and everything. So I said, okay. And like, I still think it it might've been a little to do with like, Hey, we need to get this guy like good throws. So it was, it was more for Brody than it might've been for me. (laughs) But like once training started it, like, you, you know, the, the draft prep process through your first year is like just really brutal and it takes a toll on everything. Yep. So I went through it and I'm just like, I don't have an agent, which you basically need an agent to have people talk to people on your behalf. So I would just started everybody who was calling my buddy because he was just getting a bunch of attention. I was like, give me their number. And I just cold call him. <laughs> i it. had my i had my stats and i had a bunch of videos on deck that i could forward them if they asked me to so you're so a I telemarketer
0: probably, to these guys trying to sell oh, them, yeah isaac clarker
1: <laughs> just so so annoying like i had to be so annoying but i'm just cold calling them hi i'm i went to school mines here's my stats blah 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 and then some of them bite but eventually like nothing nothing sticks like these are all nfl nfl guys yeah or is there any cfl guys or no Uh, Not really. I I hadn't gotten much CFL attention either. So eventually I just went to Brody. I'm like, who's your agent, dude? And he he has these two brothers, the Jansen brothers. And I was like, let me call him. So I called his agents and basically was just begging them to to represent (laughs) me. (laughs) And eventually like they relented and decided to, Ethan, I'm his first ever client because he was just starting to get into the game and they had a full draft class. So, basically they took me, they like, didn't fund my training or anything like that, but they were talking to people on my behalf and they're like the best, they work so hard. So I'm so happy, but basically it was a favor for my buddy that they picked me up. That's incredible. And you were his first client. How many clients does he have now? Um, I think Ethan may have two or three now, but I don't know exactly where all of them are at, but I was his very first one. So that's kind of cool. That is really cool. And it's, it's, it's nice to have an agent that is only
0: focused on you so he can Mm -hmm. literally do everything for you and you're not competing against a rival person or or a guy who with the same agency, which is a peace of mind as well. But yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's incredible. Okay.
1: I like, I like to joke with them that I'm like, The most high like maintenance client he'll ever have. So I almost drove him out of the agency business, just like texting him, calling him like, hey, I've been reaching out to these people. What you got any word from these people, blah, blah, blah. like just needling him like every chance. I But that's how you got to do
0: it. And I think fans need to realize our agents, like, especially young guys too, who are going to sign agents. For me, it was hard to realize I was my own boss and the agent worked for me. You see an agent who's, you know, dressed usually nice in a suit and very intelligent law school, law degree, and you're this young kid and he's basically working for you. And if you, if you, do it where he can call the shots. Usually you have a rough relationship. And that's why I love my agent because from the get-go, he's like, look, you tell me what you want. I'm going to help out any way I need. But if you're uncomfortable with something, just say it. And And it took me a while to get there. But uh, when you have an agent like yours that's willing to help any way you got because you're the boss, man, you get to say what goes
1: and what doesn't go, which is a good feeling. Yeah. And like uh, with how hard he worked, like he he earned his – His spot is my agent like tenfold. And then I was also like doing my own agency work on the Like I was Facebook messaging, like bleacher report things for different teams. Like, Hey, run an article about me. Like I'm entering (laughs) the draft prep process. I'm not kidding.
0: I love that. So you are just persistent and you're like, I'm going to wear you down until you Mm -hmm. just say, okay, I want to stop receiving emails from this Isaac Harker kid. So
1: let's just run (laughs) an article and get it over with. They're like, if we block this guy, he'll just make another email account and send more emails. So we just got to do what he says, I guess. That's hilarious. But But, I mean, (laughs) shoot hats off to you. So, and yeah, like during econometrics class, I'm just like emailing these like bleach report, like, just email and like actually it's funny about sask i had just been going through like cfl teams and like looking to see if i could find emails of player personnel guys or like phone numbers or anything i could i actually found mike davis his cell phone number and sent of him course a message. mike davis
0: would have a cell phone number out there in the open for anybody <laughs> to have.
1: i just feel like i was like doxing people like a hacker but anyways i send him my my stats and everything and I say, like, I'm I'm really interested. And he's like, well, we have a Houston date here. I'm like, I can't really get to the Houston date because of, like, schools, School of Mines was, like, brutal to do training and a full load of graduate courses there. So I was just, like, tied up. But so I was going to school full-time Monday and Wednesday, like, 8 in the morning to 8 at night, and then I would train Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for the draft prep stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Anyways, he's like, yeah, I showed your highlights. Well, this this didn't come out until much later, but like texting him that, he like showed my highlights to like the proper people at Sask. And then after my pro day, they like checked in on my pro day cuz I was like on their radar or whatever. And I actually got a call from Jeremy O'Day a couple of days after my pro day asking if I could go to the mini camp that they hold in Vero Beach. So, I've, to me, I thought it was with the team. Like, I thought it was with everybody who was already on the team, and then they invited a select few guys to the minicamp to see if they can, like, make the training camp roster. Yep. <laughs> when I got there, no, none of, no, nobody was signed to the team. And then there were eight other quarterbacks yeah, eight. in the room. Wow. And they're like, Steve Walsh, the quarterback's coach, was like, we're going to take one of you guys to training camp with us. So you're, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, wow. So like out of the hundreds of people, you narrowed it down to these nine. And now one of these nine will go to the training camp. And like at that point, I was just letting it all hang out. Like I had nothing to lose. Like yeah. I was just fired up, throwing every deep ball I could. And I remember on the first day. He said, like, you guys aren't going to make the team completing checkdowns this week. <laughs> and I was just like, say no more. Yeah. <laughs> just letting all the foxies go and everything. But eventually, a couple of weeks after that, and I got a call from Jeremy O'Day again. And he's like, hey, like, we love you. And are you going to pursue the NFL? And I won't say what I told him because it's just a little bit raunchy, but essentially what it boils down to, I said, where do I sign? Like, I want to <laughs> be a rough rider. Yeah, that and, probably got him fired up for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think it did too. And that's just like, if you know my football personality, that's just like who I am, just like all about it. Yeah. But then you get to training camp and you're one of six guys. And you're the rookie who doesn't understand what Sam over means. And so it's just like an uphill battle for sure. But it's all about how much time you're willing to put in to your craft and everything. And like uh, one thing a a quarterback told me a long time ago was if you're not afraid to look uncool, then you'll go far in whatever like field you want to do.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, because so many times people are trying to be the trendy. What's the world doing now? And if you go against the current gets you noticed more. I think personally, especially in the athletic field, if you try and do everything else everyone else is doing, you get caught up and just caught in the current. But if you try and swim upstream, you might
1: stand out. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a lot of people are like the the process of training camp and many camps are like stressful and you can see it like wearing on some people. And it's just like takes kind of a certain mindset. Cause like after the first day, like you don't get many reps as a rookie cause you're still trying to like ease you into the, the system or whatever. And you're like, I don't know, like this is crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, before I would love to get into training camp and, and the mental toughness you need. Uh, But before we get into that, you talked about the Sam over thing as a rookie and learning. And uh, I remember I shared a story with you about my first time uh, with the (laughs) Sam over. And I think Mm -hmm. it would be great for the listeners to hear. So my first, I just get to Toronto and it's halfway through the year. I got released from the Raiders and I'm just, just trying to figure life as a CFL quarterback. And my first install we're playing Montreal, and they had a, a defensive player by the name of Chip Cox, who I'm sure a lot of CFL diehard fans know him. He's an all-star, played a lot of a lot of years, said he still wants to play, but he's a, a treme- tremendous uh, linebacker, and we talk about the Sam. So the Sam linebacker is usually the guy who covers number three to the field. Um, for us last year, it was Moncrief. And so we went into the game plan, and instead of saying – Because the league's so small and everybody knows everybody, instead of saying, Hey, if the Sam goes over here, we're gonna run the if he goes to the boundary, we're gonna run the play to the right. If he stays to the field, we're gonna run the play to the left. And in my head, like they kept saying, Okay, if Chip Cox goes here, then we're gonna run the ball left. If Chip Cox goes to the boundary, then we're gonna throw the ball to the right. (laughs) And that was just a Sam over Sam stay thing. And I remember pulling Ricky Ray aside and I was like, how good is this Chip Cox guy? (laughs) Because (laughs) wherever he is on the field, we're going the opposite way. He's like, he's good, but it's the game plan. We're trying to get numbers and, and, he's the extra number. So it's always wherever he's at, we're trying to base things off of it. And it was just a shock for me. I was like, if this Chip Cox guy is this real and we have to go away from him and that disruptive, (laughs) why is he not just a baller in the NFL? You know. So um, that was my first as a rookie learning Sam over, but they never said Sam. They never said Rover. They said his actual name. And I was like, man, this guy must be a beast. Okay. So going back to training camp, just a little bit. I mean, it's always nerve wracking, especially as a rookie, because you don't know what to expect. You're in another country. country you're trying to figure out this playbook that has waggle and i remember looking at my first play with motion and i'm like who's running where it just looked like a bunch of scribbles all over the line. I'm like, I have no idea what guys are doing or where they're going and I have to control them. Uh, But what, what fans don't realize, I think for quarterbacks is we have to be in great shape in training camp arm wise. Like our arm has to be conditioned to throw hundred, 200 balls a day. Um, But mentally it is just very exhausting. We have to know everybody's position, everybody's routes and what they're doing because you get in a huddle with a bunch of rookies, and you say a play call and it's 14 uh, words long. And then you're, everyone looks at you sideways. And one of my biggest things, like I even to this day, one of my biggest pet peeves with receivers is when they're in the huddle and they tell me, what do I got? And I'm like, well, what position are you? And then I'll tell you what, <laughs> what I got. As a starter, it's different because you know the starters. But when you're a backup or a rookie and you have no idea what these guys' names are, you just know numbers and you have no idea what position they're playing, y- you need them to be like, hey, I play X, what do I got? And then as a quarterback, you can tell them. But did you find your mental side? Because I know that's one of your strongest attributes as a as a player and an athlete. Did you find you were mentally exhausted by you know middle of training camp during the dog days? Or do you think you
1: you handled it pretty well in terms of the mental aspect um it's it's kind of like exhausting in a different way not like the memorization and things like that because that that's really my strong suit and that's what i like to do so like a lot of times even if something's hard and you like it you'll you'll excel at it and not be tired by it it's like for some people watching netflix like they like it i i just like studying the plays and like where everybody's going and like the read sheet and everything Mm -hmm. but for a different reason, like you're trying so hard to keep your mind on track and not thinking about a hundred different things. Like, cause you watch other people go, you're trying to learn from them without judging yourself off of them. And that's a hard thing to do when you're competing with somebody. Like when I'm watching you go, I'm trying to learn from the things you do right without being like, okay, when I do it, that's how I have to do it. Cause we're completely different players. So I'm just trying to like take the mindset and like why you did what into account. And like you're competing with six other guys, only three are going to make the roster. So it's that that's why a lot of times quarterbacks struggle is because they think about the other person too much. But once you realize like they're not out there when you're out there and you're not out there when they are. So it's like completely irrelevant what routes they get to throw or what routes you get to throw. And that's such a good point. And I think, you know, when you script,
0: when coaches script, they aren't setting guys up for failure. It's just they want to see certain plays. And so I think getting caught up in a competition of being like, well, he got to throw two deep balls down the field. And I had two short, quick game routes. So I need to throw the ball down the field. It changes your your thought process because you want to show the general manager and all the scouts that, hey, I can throw the ball down the field too. But in reality, you just have to go out there and complete the ball, show them that you can move the ball and that you know what you're doing. And that kind of makes sense um, for me personally When I, in my younger years when I was trying to compete with guys – there was guys with a lot more talented arm than me and they would rip a ball to the field. And I'm like, Oh, I have to go out there and do that exact same thing to show that I can do that. But, uh, when, when I was learned how to compete with other quarterbacks, I learned that I need to put my strengths on tape and some of the other quarterbacks' strengths might be different, but, uh, than me. And it might be one of my weaknesses, but if I can mask my weaknesses and just show my strengths, I got a better
1: chance of, of sticking out to these general managers and scouts. Right. And like I've said this before, but when I watch quarterbacks, I try and take my favorite one or two things about them and like add it to my game or at least add it into my thought process. Because a lot of things you do, I couldn't do like running the ball, but a lot of things you, you do well, I could learn from. And so it's, you take that from, from each individual that you come in contact with and like, like Zach or Watt or whatever, it's just, everybody's really good at one thing and you could, you could stand to add that into your repertoire, you know? Yeah, that's
0: a great point. And it's just sharpening another tool in your toolbox. It might not be the tool you use every time, but when you need it and you need to show it and you learned it from someone else, uh, it's pretty impressive. Just training camp, peek behind the doors. For us, you know, a typical training camp day, we're up at six and uh, for us, we probably didn't go to bed till about 11 midnight maybe and back up at six. Uh, I remember I was fortunate enough to be with the young guys, it was me and three rookies, um, which was, I, I kind of like that because I get to talk over the plays with the young guys. And when you teach something, I feel like you learn it better. And so because I've been in a similar system, I was able to teach you guys and we would go over the script every night before bed. Um, I, it just helped me as a quarterback too. So that I really enjoyed being with the younger guys. And I remember we'd always have, you know, a meeting at like nine 30, 10 o'clock where we'd go through tomorrow's, the next day's script. Tell me a bedtime story,
1: Cody, about was half it. coming over yeah. half staying.
0: <laughs> I was just like the old soul that was just <laughs> reading the young pups, bedtime stories of how to progress through a, a read and what we're looking for. And, and it was fun for me though. And it was fun uh, to watch you guys pick it up. And I learned a lot from you guys because there were some things I remember you guys being like, oh, this helps me remember it. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, that makes way more sense than what I was trying to do. So I, I think we worked well off each other. It's very, uh, the hardest part about training camp is cut down day. It's gloomy. It's, you're waiting for a knock at the door. You're waiting for your phone to call. And it's just one of those times where it's it's honestly scary. And when somebody's calling you during cutdown day, you're like, oh, well, here it is. I'm done. And it's like your mom checking in and like, mom, I told you not to call me on this day. And, you know, it's usually something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just so much stress, so much pressure. But once you make the team, how, how relieved were you when you made the team? Do you remember the process of, you know the cut down day just kind of share with me what you're thinking on cut down day and what you're thinking when you made the team walked into the locker room because we went from saskatoon back to regina and got in the locker room saw your name on your
1: locker and and it's it's a big it's a big deal yeah and um we had that home playoff game or (laughs) home playoff game we had the the home preseason game right before cut down day and that was the game where you touchdown vultured uh one of my drives from the one going in. So Sh- that I counted that as a scoring drive Sh- for Sh- me. Yardage, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the big kahuna. But um yeah, and then I had we had the next one going the opposite way, threw a couple deep balls and got a touchdown pass. And after that I was like, I think I've shown that like that was that was my best tape. So like it wasn't much like stress or anxiety on my side, it was just like whatever they decide they're going to decide. And that was like, that was the best I could have put on tape. Yeah. And And like, obviously you can still learn from stuff, but no doubt. That's a good feeling telling you. I was like, or telling all
0: the young guys really because what helped me was a veteran told me this he's like look when you go out and play these preseason games it's not just the Rough Riders watching you it's all nine teams in the league and it's a tryout for all nine teams and if you put good tape out there then you force the hand of the team because they're like well if we cut him we're going to lose him he's probably going to go somewhere else and he already knows the system and he can give them all the all the information so it's it really benefits you obviously to p- play well but when you play well you're kind of at ease with being like well if I get released I know someone else is going to pick me up because I put good tape and I felt that from you I felt like after the game you kind of had this confidence like whatever happens
1: happens but I just played my best and that's all you can really worry about and especially because that's like the culmination of that entire training camp process and so it was more like a celebration for everybody I remember we all like got something to eat and drink after and stuff like that. And it's just like a really nice moment for the team. Like whether you were going to make it or not, everybody was like a part of that, that team. So it's, it's a cool, that's one of the nights I'll never forget. Is just like everybody coming together after that preseason game. And and
0: that's, and that's where it starts. And that's where you really say in, in training camp, like great cup starts, you know, day one, but really it starts right after you finalize your team because those are the guys you're going to go to war with. Yeah, it's going to change over the years. Some guys are going to get released. Some guys are going to get added. But the majority and the... The foundation of the team will not change. So that night is always so critical, I think, for teams to have success because you go out and you celebrate something. You made it through another training camp. You got at least another possible year of playing football, but you get to know the new guys on the team. And and I look forward to that time is bringing rookies out and just kind of getting their feet wet of understanding like, all right, season starts now. You might not play a lot, but we're going to need you some point in this long season to help us win some games. And and I think the rookies start to realize that as the seasons progress, because there's so many games in a season and injuries happen and guys are going to be have to be called upon because of our rosters are so much shorter than the NFL or
1: anywhere else. And the cool part about football is too, like everybody's got such a different, story like my story coming into the league like you said it's great it's great and then I look at your story of how you like became a starter and went through the league and I'm like it's great it's great it's like everybody you meet has a story that you're just like wow like that's really cool and, and it, it, it changes people's personalities and like makes them grow and everything and I think that's cool no doubt and that's why I love football
0: so much is because it has taught me so much as a not only as an athlete but just as a man of how to deal with adversity how to pick yourself back up when you've fallen down how to deal with success when you have a high a lot of success and you're kind of put on this pedal stool you know you get both sides of the spectrum and and it's honestly been a blessing for me um it was a hard road hard frustrating road and i've said that many times and i know a lot of guys have gone through some hard tough frustrating times but to see it come to fruition and you're just like wow this is what I worked hard for is pretty cool. And you want to maintain kind of that high. So during the season, I usually, I usually put on like the office when I'm studying plays or uh, watching some game tape on my iPad, just something, some background noise. But before I went to bed every night, I tried to Crush two Seinfeld episodes. I was usually in bed because we were up. I was up at six o'clock every morning. So I, I was usually in bed by like 8 30, old man. And what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so I would try and watch two. Um, sometimes I would barely get through one and I'd fall asleep at nine, but I had to make sure I was fallen asleep by 10 o'clock just to feel good and refreshed and recover for the next day so i'd watch uh, seinfeld This, this just brings me what what are your top tv shows and top tv characters in those shows
1: um off the top of your head that that one's tough and i'm like not trying to be pedantic or anything but i don't watch too much tv i'm more of a youtube guy so i'm gonna i'm gonna dig deep here for these tv shows Um,
0: or you can give me, or you can give me your YouTube, like your top three subscribers. Like I know you talk about PewDiePie. Is that his name?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Big brain.
0: (laughs) I know you talk about him a lot. So I know you watch him and, and during the season you're like, Oh, his new episode released and you're like, couldn't wait (laughs) to get home to watch it. And I remember you were really excited about it. Um, so yeah. Uh,
1: what, what would be your top three, like YouTube subscribers that you're like, I got to watch this shoot that that's definitely a good question like there's this there's a show called nerd city that only comes out like every probably two months he puts out a video but it's a longer video almost like a documentary and he's got some really good content that's just like wow so every time he drops an an episode i'm i'm watching it right away and then what's the basis
0: of the nerd city like what, what do they talk about
1: yeah it's just like a lot of like social media like the constructs behind it and like how people have become famous on social media and he kind of like dissects it. And one of the cooler episodes like they did was like all these Instagram models have gotten really famous and really wealthy from like their butts. Right. (laughs) And he, he has his wife is just like a normal girl, but they did this like project where they were seeing if they could get her Instagram famous through like Photoshopping. (laughs) so yeah and like they would hide the picture of like photoshop for dummies in every picture that they would post and like they went all the way all around the world like to these exotic locations to help like the facade that she's like living this like luxurious lifestyle and they would like photoshop her butt really well to make (laughs) it look similar and they like show photoshop like tricks and tips and tricks and like how to recognize when someone is photoshopping and it's just like just mind blowing. Cause I don't spend a lot of time on social media. So like to get a peek behind the curtain of that, you're just like, what is going on
0: in today's yeah, world? You know what I mean? Making a lot of money off social media. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So two, what, what was, what was two? Uh, and Blem and he just does these like strange documentaries too. Like he'll do documentaries on like super smash bros and stuff like this. And it's just Ooh, like cool. super interesting to me. Yep. You're a big Nintendo and, guy. I know that. Yeah, for sure. And then lastly, let me let me just uh, think look, for one second. Look at your history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me pull through the hundreds of YouTube videos I've been watching. No, nah, but it's just like my recommended fee is just full of like guitar stuff and video game stuff and like deep learning stuff. I've been doing a lot of stuff on deep learning. That's really cool.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I wish I was more into YouTube. I barely ever watch YouTube. I like watching just comedies on the TV, something that I can go in and out of because I like to sometimes focus on more than one thing at a time. And so I would say my top three TV shows in order would the office. I've watched that way too much. Um, Probably two would definitely be Seinfeld. And then three would be parks and rec and, my favorite characters from uh, The Office is Dwight Schrute. I, I love Schrute and how <laughs> honest he is. I don't know how much of The Office you watched, but just mm-hmm. his personality Bears, beach, yeah, is just great. I just loved his banter with him and Jim. And uh, <laughs> in Seinfeld, growing up when I was little, because my dad loved this show, um, I was a big Kramer guy because he was quirky and just kind of weird. <laughs> but as I grew older, I, I really liked... Uh, George George is like one of those guys is just always something going on in his life in those episodes that is just hilarious and and what I love most about Seinfeld is it is relatable even today like even though that show was filmed in 80s and 90s and I'm like seeing some of the topics they're talking about I'm like wow that just happened to me yesterday and so it's very <laughs> relatable and I love yeah, that I like the
1: show about nothing right
0: yeah exactly I remember a story I read um when the Giants were playing the Patriots Eli Manning, they asked him, okay, what do you need for the Super Bowl? Like, um, for your downtime. He's like, All I want is all the Seinfelds on DVD. That's all I want to do because that's all I'm gonna watch this week when I'm not paying attention to football. And I was right. like, shoot, if it works for Eli Manning, man, it's gonna work for me. So I started watching <laughs> that every night before and, and it and it worked. Pretty great. We won a lot of football games, so maybe it was the Seinfeld before each night getting a laugh and then falling <laughs> hey, asleep Hey, hey, don't give
1: away too many secrets. We got to yeah, keep right. them where we no, got them.
0: No, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then the <laughs> third one, Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. I don't know if you watched that show, but oh, Ron yeah. Swanson is the manliest man you'll ever meet, and he just loves whiskey, meat, and I'm not like a very manly man, but <laughs> I idolize him because I wish I was that manly like, like, like he is. Like <laughs> woodworking
1: and bacon and all that exactly, stuff? Exactly. No doubt. Exactly. Um, who who would you say like you're most comparable to, and who would you say I'm most comparable to of like TV characters you can think of?
0: Ooh, that's a really good question. For me, man,
1: you kind of put me. On we the might spot. have to. I might have to let you sleep on this one, and we yeah. can, we'll get back to it next no, episode. That's,
0: that's tough. Right on the spot like that is tough for you. It's got to be an intellect. Um, I don't watch many shows that are just like very smart and intellect based they're all comedy slapstick and just like
1: uh you can turn your brain off to watch this
0: <laughs> so um uh, yeah dude,
1: I'm gonna, i, I'm I actually have it. thought of a couple tv shows that i've watched all the way through like are like a select few that i've watched from beginning to end one of them's wilfred have you ever seen that one at all no i have not but i've heard of it it's it yeah it's just this dude like just as a dog a, right yeah yeah, he's dressed as a dog and he's talking to his owner the owner's the only one who could hear him and see him as the person dog and everyone else just sees him as a regular dog it's just like it kind of like bends into like philosophy and psychology a lot even though it's like so dumb at its root it like gets into these <laughs> deep topics so that's kind of why like i like that like i give and take i think it's I just, cool i just see a guy in a dog suit and i'm like yeah this ain't for me that
0: I just remember watching it and it was like, Wilfred, I'm like, this show looks terrible, but I got to give it a chance. You know, I can't judge it. So, um, yeah, I don't, I would think, have you watched, um, always sunny in Philadelphia?
1: Oh yeah. That's actually another one that I've actually watched a little bit here and there. So it's so funny. I think you're a lot like
0: Charlie, not as spacey as Charlie, <laughs> but definitely as like the Pepe energetic. Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like definitely as energetic and, and like can talk like him and just like when you get fired up about something, the whole world knows that you're
1: fired up about something <laughs> and that's how he is. So I would say that that would probably be just going through coverages. I have like Threads of rope from picture to picture of different coverages. It's like, look, if that this guy's I down, whoa, about. we got this kind of coverage.
0: <laughs> There's sometimes I would come into the meeting room and you had already been there, and I just walk in and the whiteboard's covered in a bunch of things, and you're just like trying to explain this to me, and I'm like. Um, first off, how many cups have you already had of coffee? And second, <laughs> let me wake up before you hit me with this. All right, the guy in the dreads, when he's down, we get this coverage. And then if this guy's left shoelace is untied, they're blitzing the same <laughs> linebacker. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, just
1: kind of getting hit with it. If we're it. playing but, on the second Thursday of the month, this is the coverage we're going to get on third downs. Their defense
0: coordinator <laughs> loves running this on Thursday. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this guy's been up. He pulled an all-nighter for sure. <laughs> But I want to talk, I want to talk about something that you did this during quarantine that was a lot of fans loved it and it was quite dangerous. The trick shot video with your brother, when you had him close his eyes and put the water bottle on his head, (laughs) how did that come to be? And were you nervous at all doinking him in the nose or did you, did you you take a lot? Was it a lot of takes? Did you hit him at all
1: or was it your first try and you nailed it? Yeah. So the, just to like throw this out there, the hardest part about the thing was having it balance on his head. Cause he's got so much poofy curly hair. So like <laughs> it would fall off all me and uh, my sister were walking back to set up. So that was Did the you hardest put water part in it or like rocks or something or no, Um we had it like half full just so it had the weight to like push yeah. his hair down and stay on his head. Otherwise it would have just blown off in the wind. But it took, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 12 times. Okay. And initially we had um, a blindfold on him, but he's like – it feels way more comfortable to close my eyes. I'm like, it's the same thing. He's like, yeah, I know. I just feel more comfortable you know, my eyes are closed. You know, he had to be peeking. Uh, yeah, he says he wasn't, but I mean, I know, we'll have to get a lie detector test going. Yeah, we're going to have to call. <laughs> who is that? Maury? Is that Maury? Does the lie yeah,
0: <laughs> you were not closing your eyes. <laughs> yeah. fans yeah! Yeah, go crazy. Because if, if I'm saying I don't want the blindfold, that means I'm scared. and I need, I need to have the option to at least open my eyes. If I have the blindfold on, don't matter what I do, I can't see it, and I'm doinking it yeah. off my face. But with the, I, maybe it was just the comfort of him knowing he could open his eyes. Maybe that's what all he needed to keep them shut.
1: Yeah. And it's funny you say like the, the scared thing. Cause like he gave off no inkling at all that he was afraid. He's like, yeah, I just don't like it on my face. Like I'll just close my eyes. I'm like, okay, whatever you say, buddy. He's the younger brother. He's trying to be tough. He's like, oh yeah, I'll show my <laughs> older brother here. I'll show him that I'm tough. <laughs> and so if I had to put a number on it, I'd say it was the 12th time just because there was a, a couple instances where it's just like barely missing. And it's a little, just a little above his head, you know, and there was one where like, Looking back on it, I should have said nothing because I think it would have drilled the water bottle. But like it, I was like, "Ooh, is that going to get forehead or is that? Gonna, <laughs> and I threw it pretty hard. So right when I let it go, I'm just like, duck, duck. And he just like hit the deck. And like looking back on him, I'm like, no, oh, you know, the water bottle is closer than you think. So I probably should have just let that one go. And if he got one on the forehead, we would just had to have an ice pack taped to his head <laughs> on the next day. Just a, a slab of meat. Ready for frozen meat for his face. (laughs) (laughs) And as a baseball player, like he's used to getting beans. So I'd just be like, don't even rub it. Just get back up. We're doing it again. (laughs) Yeah. If you're going
0: to rub anything, rub some dirt on it. exactly so I just want to say that you the competitor in me you you kind of screwed me over because I see you post this video and I tell Laura I say Laura we're going to the park right now I got to throw this off, off your head because I was like I knew the fans would be like all right Cody you're up and just the competitor in me so we went to the park and I I have never been this afraid to throw a football when your wife is standing there with her eyes closed and a water bottle on her head. And I'm just (laughs) thinking in my brain, like I threw my first, I would say my first five throws were like five (laughs) feet over the water bottle because I was so afraid to miss short. And we were trying to set up the video and we finally set one up. And I was like, in my head, I was like, well, This could be the end of the end of our marriage. And it was a one, (laughs) one year too, too quick, you know? And so we did it. I hit the water bottle off her head and it kind of ricocheted like the water bottle, like like dug into her head and then hit out and uh i know it was pretty painful for her and at the end i was like this isn't worth it what are we doing out here and it was just like me and her and i'm just like this, this isaac football. guy yeah this thing <laughs> isaac harker is making me pepper footballs at my wife at this park
1: i'm like this is not worth it like so dude, it's her- funny you, you're mentioning like you, i screwed you because i remember like seeing your video and i was like oh dude that's cool and then i'm like I sent you my video. I'm like, dude, look what I did. Isn't this sick? You're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, uh,
0: okay. I I guess it's not that sick. I was very excited about you, but I was scared for my future (laughs) events that was going to take place because I knew I was going to have to either, because there's no going up from there. Honestly, there's nothing else I can do other than put something smaller than a water bottle on my wife's head. And I was definitely not going to do that. So uh, we end up, I just said, all right, hold the phone in front of you in your hand. And I was like, if I hit your hand, that's fine. But hitting her face, I, I couldn't, have. I couldn't sleep knowing that I <laughs> gave her a black eye or a, hit her in the nose. So that was hard for me. And, and we found a way around it, but I just want to say that that was some, some dark times for me throwing a water, uh, throwing a football at my wife's head and uh, hoping <laughs> that it doesn't just doink off her
1: forehead or eye. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring that kind of trauma into your guys' marriage. That's on me.
0: That's okay. You know, we, we've had some <laughs> a lot of good positivity and, and it's my competitive nature that kind of takes over. But uh, speaking of competitive nature, celebrating a big win, do you do anything, you know, different than, you know, say you lose or just non-game day stuff? Is there something that you have to do after you win a big game, whether you did it in college or you did it in the last game of the year? Uh, just talk to me about big win. How do you celebrate
1: Yeah, I mean, last year, just with the the guys, I always look forward to going to Earl's after the game and, like, you know, just cutting it up with the guys at the bar and everything like that. But, like, in the the past, in in college and everything at Mines, we had this brewery that we'd always go to and a house that we would, like, you know, just – like play cards at and stuff like that. So I always look forward to that. I know you got something just a little bit different than that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm a social drinker. So I'll drink, you know, beers or cocktails at social events. But during season, I try not to drink um, at all because it kind of slows the recovery process down. I will no problem having a beer with the guys after a big win for sure. For sure. But my, like when we go to Earl's, but my big thing is I always have a... Two liter Coke or two liter Pepsi doesn't matter. And Grenadine <laughs> Choose. ready for me. <laughs> um, if, if I were to say I'm a Pepsi guy, but, um, yeah, I always have and Grenadine ready for me when we win, because I go home and I drink, I have to usually have about two of them, two or three. People are like, do you put whiskey in it? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm in there for the sugar. I'm not in it for the alcohol. I just love Pepsi with grenadine. It is just my favorite drink. And I can only drink it on game days or, you know, on our off days because the sugar and stuff dehydrates me. So after the game, I look forward to going home, pouring a nice tall glass of cherry (laughs) Pepsi, and just
1: putting on The Office or Seinfeld and relaxing. I do remember during bye weeks just seeing like a graveyard of two liter pepsi bottles in grenadine and grenadine you're just like yep <laughs> it's a bi-week for sure yeah bi-weeks I, I make up for all
0: the time missed um bi-week nutritional plan sleep schedule all out the window you can it's do whatever you want it's bachelor mode <laughs> but uh but in terms of the two liter bottle um graveyard we
1: want a lot of football games so i got to enjoy a lot of cherry pepsi <laughs> Mm -hmm. It would be harder to enjoy the the sweet, refreshing taste of a cherry Pepsi after a loss.
0: Yeah, I couldn't do it because I I don't want to reward myself for losing. So I'll go home and I'll have water or I'll have something like I'm not a big fan of orange juice. So sometimes I just pour a tall glass of of orange juice.
1: (laughs) The thought of you just going home, running a lukewarm (laughs) glass of tap water. And just drinking it and going to bed is just like a little sad. So oh, yeah. I just got we got to make sure we win games. That's it. for my palate and my, my taste buds. <laughs> please win
0: some football games so I can enjoy it or go home and I'll drink some orange juice. I'll be like, I hate this stuff. But you don't deserve the good stuff, man. You got to keep drinking this orange juice. <laughs> um, I think it's time for us to get to our fan questions. We got a couple fan questions here. So first question comes from Ty Luffman. What is your best fan experience? I'm going to let
1: you take this one.
0: Okay. I I personally, my, the one I remember the most is we had fan appreciation day at the, at Mosaic. It was awesome. It was a walkthrough day. And we came out and the stadium was like half full for a walkthrough day. And there was just a lot of people there, um, a lot of kids running around just asking for autographs. But I remember there was this huge line and all the players were kind of lined up and signing autographs and they told me I couldn't go up. They held me back and they're like, okay, we're going to hold you back and we're only going to give you like a certain amount of time because I signed a bunch of posters before to make sure everybody, all the kids, especially got a poster, but they're like, if we put you up there, like the line will slow down and it, it will be, take forever because everybody's going to obviously want to talk to the quarterback. And so I remember they like there was like four people escorting me on this back elevator up to Mosaic to that to the platform level and i get up there and i felt like it was the first time i ever felt like a huge like rock star because people were <laughs> like cody cody can you sign this and i'm like walking and people are like trying to grab me and grab my jersey <laughs> and like give me hugs and i'm like wow this is intense i'm like this is what rock stars feel every single time i bet and then they play big shows and i remember i sat down you know i spent about 35 40 minutes with amazing fans and they're like all right your time's up i'm like well, my time's up i only got to like a certain amount i was like looking at The line. They're like, don't worry, they're all going to get posters, but we got to get this line going. And so then they escort me out, and I felt so bad because all these fans are like, Where are you going? Where's Cody going? I'm like, The mob is about to turn. (laughs) Don't get him. I was like, The mob is going to turn on me. I was like, I wish I could just shout it. I'm like, It's not me. It's not me. (laughs) You know, just to save some face. But Um, They escorted me out. Luckily, all the kids got signed posters, but I really look forward to our fan appreciation day. It's it's one of the best experiences I've had as a CFL football player.
1: So funny. It's just like Rodman getting escorted by those media guys out the back so he doesn't just get like – like attacked by all the media people about all this questionable stuff. Except yours wasn't questionable. You're just meeting fans. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit of a difference.
0: And they're sprinting (laughs) after him with these big cameras. That was hilarious. I'm like, dude, that
1: camera guy hasn't
0: ran that fast in years, but he was just trying to get a story. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Second question comes from Dale Siren. Siren Dale on Twitter
1: is his name. Was your initial thoughts when you heard about the CFL? yeah so I I don't know if this is rare or not but I had known about the CFL as an American from from the time I was pretty young just because Doug Flutie was one of my favorite quarterbacks because I knew I wasn't going to be the tallest guy and I thought I was going to end up being like 5'11 to 6 foot and that's that's where I'm at six foot flat and he was a shorter quarterback so he was always like an inspiration yeah for me and I followed his story and I knew he played in the CFL and stuff so That was one of my thoughts. I was like, I want to be an NFL player or a CFL player when I grew up. So it's like it's kind of cool to have known about it and like to finally get there. That is cool as an American to know about the CFL. Me personally, I, I
0: knew about it, but like I didn't know much about it. I just remember in summers, there was football. And on I'm, and I'm like, where's this football being played at? Because as a kid, you only think about NFL, right? But um, as I grew older, I realized, oh, wow, that was the CFL playing summer league, summer games. And uh, I watched some of the CFL games. I remember watching some of the CFL games, but I just never knew much about the league. Um, but that was kind of my initial thoughts when... When, when I got to the NFL and when I, especially when I got released, I was like, it's, I'm going to CFL. Uh, I don't want to wait around with the NFL anymore. CFL is a great league. I knew a few guys that have played in the league and I just kind of asked them about it and they loved it. They had so much fun and I'm like, that's where I got to get. So my initial thought was if NFL doesn't pan out, CFL is for sure where I want to be and spend my time because I thought my strengths of my game really tailored to the CFL game.
1: Yeah. And then I'll, uh, all f- final question comes from Nate Halverson19 on Twitter. What's your favorite non football outside activity? Mm, non
0: football activity. Well, there's a lot of activity. Outdoor stuff I've been doing recently: biking, um, playing spike ball with my wife and friends. Um, if you guys don't know what spike ball it is, it's that round net, and you just kind of slam the ball into the net, a lot like volleyball rules. Um, but that's really fun, very active, and it's good for shoulder work. It's good for your legs. Um, so that uh, a lot of tennis. M- my wife and I have been playing a lot of tennis since they've let go of locking up the the courts, and uh, that's fun too. And what I like about tennis is it's really beneficial for shoulder work as well, because you get a lot of overhand serves and you get to work just your entire shoulder front, forehand and backhand. But uh, probably number one would have to be golf. I try and golf, you know, once a week, um, twice a week during the off season. And during the season, I like to try to golf once a month on one of our off days, um, just kind of get away from football. My favorite thing about golf is just getting out to an open area and just being like, wow, this is beautiful. And kind of your breath being taken away and you're just there with your thoughts. And, and I really enjoy that as much as I'm bad at golf. I mean, sometimes I'll put a hole together and I'll be like, "Wow, I parred that hole. And then the next hole, I'll get like an eight and I'll be like, wow, I'm very humbled that I am very bad at <laughs> golf, you know, but that's golf. And, and it's fun to go out with you know i go out with my father-in-law and it's just a good bonding experience for me and him just to go out and play golf so um just definitely a way they say all the business is made on a golf course but
1: what about you non-football outside yeah activities. um me and uh my friends and little brother have been playing a lot of can jam do you know what that is
0: yeah i've seen that um they
1: they've made actual can jam things right that you can buy Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my older sister bought one, so we've been playing that a lot outside because it's so been nicer weather. Is it three if you make it in the slot, and then one if you slam it in? Is that correct? Uh, if you slam it in, it's three. If you slot it, that's game. Game over. That's like calling game. Yeah. And the slots like then, very. Is it how big is the slot? Do you have much? It's like a mail slot, so I mean, you you're you're gonna get it in maybe once like every seven to 10 games so it's like always nice because if you're playing somebody who sucks or like if you suck at the game like you can always end it when they're up 20 to nothing because you played 21 so if you slot it it's always a chance you can lose initially
0: you don't want to aim for the slot because you can't slam it in right is that correct
1: right like because hitting it direct only two points instead of three so I mean if, if you're if you got that kind of control I say go for it yeah Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I've always wanted to play. I've always seen
0: it. But uh, we play Polish golf. Do you know what Polish golf is? I don't think so. It's like a PVC pipe and you put like a can, could be a beer can, could be a soda can.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. We just call it something different.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's, and you throw, but what's cool about that is you have to catch the frisbee. And if the frisbee hits the ground, the other team gets a point. And what's what's Mm -hmm. awesome is you got to catch it with one hand and it's good for eye, eye, hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. And and it's really fun to play on the sand because you get to dive and, and do a bunch
1: of crazy things. So can jam, anything else? Um, we've been playing that die game it's like similar to polish golf got where it. you're throwing up the die and it hits the table you got to catch it with one hand before it hits the ground oh snappa yeah i like that i would yeah, call snappa. it snappa yeah mm-hmm. yeah that game's fun do you have would you play on like a ping pong table or oh, what kind of table do you uh play? my buddies made a table that's like for the dice i don't know how they did it but i think they covered it in like polyurethane or something that's so it's cool. got like nice crazy bounces so you got to make some nice one-handed catches. Yep. Do you play where if it if the dice lands on the
0: table and lands on a certain number, you know, the other team gets a certain amount of points?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: cool. Like, evens. usually we play evens and odds. Nice. Yeah, that game's super fun. And it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Those dice bounce all over the place, and that's really good for hand-eye coordination stuff too.
1: For sure. Because it's like a reflex ball, kind of, if it hits right. Well, I think that just about does it for episode three of the Rouge Report. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, look
0: forward to getting out the episode four and hearing your guys' feedback on this one. Uh, We appreciate all you listeners listening to us and dedicating your precious time to our podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rouge Report, a Rough Rider podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to grab your official rider gear and get your backyard summer ready with outdoor cooking essentials and backyard decor. Shop in-store at the Mosaic Stadium location and online at theriderstore.ca.